Welcome to the Do Hard Things podcast with your host, Jay Teagues. Are you ready to amplify and improve your life? Then you're in the right place. On this podcast, we have unfiltered conversations with inspiring people who take on challenges and are here to share with us their wisdom from their journey. We talk about how doing hard things enable all of us to adequately deal with life struggles and challenges and to ultimately improve the quality of our lives. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Do Hard Things Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Teagues, Certified High Performance Coach, Transformational Mindset Coach. And today, I have the honor and privilege of having on my friend, Chris Levy. Chris is a veteran, winepreneur, wine lover, world traveler. He's a podcast host of Everyday Wine. And Chris specializes in helping wine brands build communities and relationships with their consumers. Chris practices what he preaches with his own wine club, where he helps local wineries tell the story behind the wine during his monthly wine club member call. He is active duty military, and we've been working together now for about uh, about a year. And I wanted to have Chris on to, one, I'm fascinated with the wine business. I'm more of a craft beer connoisseur, but wine is also very fascinating to me. He's incredibly passionate and knowledgeable about the topic of wine. He's also active duty military. He's a major in the Army and uh, is currently at the Command General Staff College. And we've been working together. Uh, it's very difficult to manage a business while serving on active duty. And he's just one of those guys that just gets things done. So it's a tremendous honor and joy to have him on to talk about his passion of wine, his military service, and his high-performance habits that enables him to be successful. So... Before we get into the interview, I just wanted to ask that uh, if you have received any value from any of the podcasts, shoot me a note, leave me a message. I'd love to hear your feedback, both positive and negative, on the guests that uh, that we have, the format of the podcast, and just anything, whether you received any benefit, any aha moments, anything that you'd like to see improved. Please subscribe. And if you find this uh, podcast valuable in any way and someone could benefit from it, please share. Share with two of your friends. We're trying to get the word out and spread, 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 spread and share the positive messaging of this podcast to other people. And please leave a review on iTunes. I read all of them and they go a long way in growing the podcast and and uh, I, I I really value the uh, the feedback, so please please consider leaving a review. So, without further ado, let's get into the interview with Chris Levy. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Do Hard Things podcast. Today, I have the honor and privilege of having Chris Levy on with me. Chris and I have been working. We've uh, we met about a year ago. We've been working together, and uh, Chris is a fellow Army veteran. He's a major United States Army and uh, entrepreneur. And it's been an honor and privilege to uh, to work with you, Chris. Thanks for coming on today. Why don't we start off with uh, just telling us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're yeah. from, what you do? Absolutely. No. I, first off, thanks thanks so much for having me on, Jay. The, I've I've really been looking forward to this for for a couple months now. Um, ever since uh, you know I heard you launch your podcast, and we've been working together. Um, I I always thoroughly enjoy our conversations. Um, I enjoy your kind of real take on stuff, uh, and, and not sugarcoating it. Um, and that, that does the body some good. Um, 
So I, uh, I guess a little bit about me. Um, I, uh, like you said, in the military, uh, been in for about uh, 11 years now. Um, and then as it most pertains to how we've been connected, um, about four years ago, I decided to start my own business. Um, and that, you know, that business has ebbed and flowed and changed and, you know, pivoted uh, over the last four years or so. Um, but in 2020, during COVID, um, I began kind of aligning with what I really see as, as my passion, uh, my, my real passion in life. And, and that's kind of this idea of, of being able to bring people together um, around food and wine. Um, and so I saw an opportunity during COVID uh, to kind of add a new aspect uh, to my business. And that's how I came up with Chris's Wine Club. Um, and that's that's been what I've been focused on, um, you know, outside of the day job, so to speak, for the past uh, year or so, um, trying to work on that business and uh, connect with awesome people that love wine. Yeah, I, I love connecting with high-performing people. And here you are, you are a uh, major in the U.S. Army, which you're, you're currently in the Command and General Staff College, which is, uh, it's an honor and a privilege. Only, you know, the top 50% are selected to attend. So you have this full-time gig. You've been, you just finished up your, your master's degree. You've been working on your thesis, doing all these things. And you're running a wine club and, and being an entrepreneur at the same time. And it's been fascinating for me uh, working with you to see how you navigate and manage your time uh, incredibly well. Let's, what I'd like to know is how did you, like, where did you grow up? What got you interested in military service? How did you ultimately become an officer? And then we'll go down the path of, of the wine club and, and how you manage all of these things. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, and yeah, I, I, I feel like I had, you know, fairly, I guess, normal, you know, upbringing or whatever. And, you know, people have asked me before about how, how I ended up in, in military service and um, but there's, there's kind of like one, one moment that really sticks out in my mind. Um, and that's when I was about, um, two years old. Um, and, and of course this, this is a story that I've, I've been told from, from my mom and not, uh, don't, don't remember the details per se, but I, I can kind of recollect a little bit, um, from this, but it was, you know, when I was two years old, it was, it was right around 1990, um, right before the first Gulf war, uh, was kicking off. And, uh, you know, we, we lived in Texas in Houston and there is, uh, just, just South of Houston on the coast, there's a little town called Galveston, which is a huge port. Um, and that's also where, uh, even today the military sends a lot of equipment via rail, uh, to get put onto ships, to get sent over, you know, wherever it, it needs to go in the world. Um, and, and SPOT, I believe is the proper acumen, um, a seaport of debarkation. Um, but it's from there, we were, uh, when we were in Houston, uh, that's where I grew up. And, uh, one day we were sitting at a railroad crossing, um, when waiting for the train to go by. And on that train were a bunch of military vehicles and one Abrams, you know, Bradley's, uh, I'm sure there's probably Paladins in there, but, um, and you know, these are all for people that don't know, these are all, you know, military, uh, large military vehicles, tracked vehicles, um, and I was watching that train go by and I looked at it and said to my mom, that's what I'm going to do when I, when I grow up. Um, and it was from that, that moment that kind of solidified in my mind that I knew what I was going to do. 
I knew he was going to be in the military. Um, I didn't quite know yet or, or, you know, it didn't really get fully revealed to me, like what branch or how I was going to serve. But um, ever since I was two years old, you know, up and up until high school and college, my whole mission in life was to prepare, prepare for military service. Um, and that guided all of my actions and um, things I was involved with um, until I, I finally commissioned um, right after college. It's impressive to see a train full of military mind, military equipment. As you were saying that, I, I just think about working in the rail yard or just seeing, you know, the amount, seeing a train pass by with all the equipment on it. It is quite impressive. The, the combat power that is on one yeah. of those trains is almost endless. <laughs> yeah. It, it's fun. It's funny to, to get the, the flip side perspective of stuff, you know, to see stuff, you know, before you're in the military, you know, from a civilian perspective, and then to go through it and know what's really going on behind the scenes, you know, getting equipment ready to, to move via rail, via air, via whatever it is um, in the military as you're preparing for, for operations. That's, that's a really, um, it gives you a neat, neat, unique perspective that uh, you don't get um, from not, obviously not serving. And I think it's really cool to see that stuff. Yeah. Usually when we, when, uh, this is, this is come off in, um, when we talk about military service, people are usually moving towards something or they're running away from something. Which camp do you find yourself in? Were you moved towards something or were you trying to escape something? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I, I, I believe it's a little bit of both for everybody. You know, I think we all are moving towards something. We're all moving away from something. Um, and and that kind of represents, you know, kind of our intrinsic and extrinsic motivation um, that are, you know, these two forces that are always kind of we're wrestling with um, and drives us to, to take action on stuff. And so, you know, I, I like to think that, you know, the majority of, of that was just knowing that I had a calling, knowing what I was you know meant to do in life. Um, at least for, for a set period of time. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I would, I would never say I was really, you know, moving away from something. Um, but you know, when you're, you know, in high school or, or even college or whatever, um, you do get these, you know, ideas or visions of, of the person you want to become. And you start evaluating ways that you can kind of become that person. And, um, and the military is a, a great avenue for, for a lot of people. So um, I, I would agree with that. I think uh, I, I think there's a component uh, to both. I know for me, uh, the military was a way for me to escape a troubled uh, uh, childhood and close that chapter of my life and, and, and gravitate towards something. You know, I, I saw the positive role models and whatnot. But for me, the biggest driver, I think, was was escaping. And, you know, I, I, this is a question that Mike Burke asks a lot of his guests on his podcast, Always in Pursuit, and I find it fascinating. So every time I, I talk to uh, military folks, I always ask them that question because I find it uh, something is revealed about their past or, or their ambitions, you know, from that question. So I think it's a fantastic question. Um, what, uh, so what, how did you commission? What was your branching like? What have you done up until this point so far in your military career? Or some of the highlights. Yeah, yeah. So did did ROTC at at a small private school in in Texas, and um, got my commission. Then then went went to uh, field artillery. Um, it was my first choice. Uh, I I was always fascinated with with the big guns, with the big cannons. Um, 
I, I just love the idea of telling people that my job was to blow stuff up. Um, so that that really drove me to to go down down that route, go you know commission to to field artillery, and um, was got my first duty station Fort Carson, Colorado, you know Fort Fourth Infantry Division, um, and did that for four years, couple deployments, um, and then you know having I think having known about the military for so long in my life and really knew that's where I wanted to be. Um, it just kind of plants this er- the seed early on that you want to do, you want to keep, you want to do something else. You want to, you know, keep doing more. Um, and that's when I decided to drop my, you know, packet for, uh, army special operations, um, and was selected for civil affairs. Um, and, and so went to Fort Bragg and completed the, the civil affairs qualification course, um, and have been a civil affairs officer ever since. For those that don't know what civil affairs is, could you briefly describe the duties and responsibilities of someone that works in civil affairs? Yeah, we uh, we go out, we um, we we talk to people. Uh, we we really focus on building relationships. You know, we work a lot with like the State Department, uh, USAID, other agencies, um, and, and really we're kind of like consultants. You know, we we go in, we identify problems in areas that we're operating in. Um, and try to come up with local solutions to local problems, um, and you know, try to try to leave places a little bit better than we found it. Yeah, definitely. With uh, the type of work that we've been doing in Operation Enduring Freedom and Iraqi Freedom, you know, that that type of work has been incredibly uh, important. And um, what what are some differences between this branch and the field artillery branch, or what are some of the biggest things that you have? Uh, uh, some of the biggest differences in your experience. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think um, you know the biggest the biggest thing is, is the mindset. Um, you know, the mindset shift. Um, in, in my my current job, we're really it's really important that you learn how to leverage outside resources really fast um, because your internal resources are usually pretty limited. Um, you know, that's, that's not to say we, we, we're not well-trained or well-equipped. I mean, that's, that's absolutely part of it, but, um, you, you get really good at, at scale, at, at doing stuff at scale. Um, and that's, that's, you know, accessing other people's resources, other people's influence, other people's relationships. Um, whereas I would say my time in, in the conventional side of the house, um, it was more so about being really good at your job and, what you provide internally to the organization. Um, and that, that dictated, you know, how well you performed or not. Um, and so those are kind of the two, the biggest differences I see between, you know, my previous branch and my current branch. Yeah. I could see some stark contrast there, you know, being, uh, you know, the more focused combat minded, right. And when you're in civil affairs, you're trying to solve problems and, and, uh, just a different skill set uh, altogether, which is why there's a, there's a pretty thorough selection process, uh, and, and w- when you go through these selections, right, that's what they're looking for. They're really honed in on your the, your character and your mindset and how you react to things. That's why they put you in these stressful situations to see how you respond because they need people that uh, are, are adaptive, that are problem solvers and uh, not quick to, uh, you know, uh, pull the trigger, right, because <laughs> it's, it's a different type of uh, mentality and, and work altogether. Yeah, absolutely. So, how did you let's? How did you ultimately uh, tr- transition into wine, and 
uh, becoming an entrepreneur, was that always in your, did you always have that burning desire to be an entrepreneur? Was, how did wine uh, become a big part of your life? Yeah, so I, um, I'll tell you two stories. Um, one, I guess how I became an entrepreneur. I, uh, my, my dad was always an entrepreneur. Um, he, he started his own consulting business. Uh, he, so he's a golf professional, um, not professional golfer. So, um, played golf in college and wasn't good enough for the tour. So decided to go into golf management, um, and, uh, you know, started his own golf management consulting company early on, which allowed him to, to get various jobs and contracts and everything. Um, and, uh, one thing I always remember is he would have, uh, his business card and on it would be the PKL group, which was his, the name of his business. Um, and, and that, I just like, I, I identified that symbol, uh, you know, the business card, you know, with his own name of his company, um, early on of with, with entrepreneurship and that kind of, you know, came cemented in my mind. Um, and so I, I would watch him do that and I, I'd watch him how hard he worked and everything. And, um, and, and that kind of planted the seed early on, um, fast forward to, to 2015, uh, 2016 or so, um, you know, been in the military for five or six years then by that point. Um, and, and I kind of had my first really major injury, um, you know, injured, injured a significant part of my back. Uh, and when, when that happened, it really made me reevaluate a lot of things in life. Um, and one of those things, one of those conclusions I really came to was that, you know, one life is short for sure. Uh, but two, you know, everything in life has an expiration date, including military service. Um, and so it, it really pushed me to start thinking beyond military service of what that looks like, um, and start, you know, looking at, at something I could potentially do outside of military service, whether I, whether I got out immediately or, or, you know, retired or, you know, uh, did my full 20 or whatever. Um, so I just kind of started down this path of, of self-development. Um, I started listening to podcasts, started reading books started talking to people, um, and trying to, you know, identify like what sector market or industry or something I would, I would want to do outside the military. Um, and after, after a while, you know, I just kind of came to this conclusion that, well, the, the best thing I can do is just start my own business. Um, and, and, you know, scale it, grow while I'm still in active duty until the point where I can leave active duty and, and walk into it full time. Um, you know, I, I, we can, we can talk about, uh, those illusion it, delusions, uh, later, but, um, you know, it, I, I just, it, it became very clear in my mind that owning a business, running a business was the next challenge for me. Um, and, and that's really what, what it came down to was looking for the next challenge. And, um, and that's what, what made me decide to, to start the business as far as wine goes, uh, that's another thing that, you know, had, had just kind of been planted in my mind from an early, early on. Um, I, you know, I was originally stationed in, in Colorado Springs for my first duty station. Um, while I was stationed there, my dad would actually come in for business once or twice a month. And uh, he, because he had, he had uh, you know, a part of his business there, the part of the, the company he worked for was there. And so he would come into town and he'd take his employees out to dinner. And, um, when you come to town, I get to get to hang out with him and go meet his employees and we all go out and have a little, have a good time, but we would go to dinner and the sommelier or the waiter would hand the, the wine menu to my dad and he would, uh, you know, they would ask, Hey, would you like some help picking wine for tonight? Um, and he would just look at him and say, no, I, I know exactly what I want. Um, after looking at the menu, 
uh, and he just would pick wine. Whether he knew what he was picking or not, he'd just do it with this authority um, and would just set the tone for the rest of the night. And that always, you know, allowed us to have a great time. Um, and so watching him do that, you know, it, it made me want to, it made me think that, oh, man, I need to, I need to figure out this wine thing. Like, I need to, I need to figure out, you know, what, what is, what does wine, you know, consist of, you know, what, what makes wine wine. Um, and so that way I can do the same thing when, when I'm older. Yeah. Wine is so complicated. Like I, I walk into the wine, I walk into the store where the wine section is. There's so many different bottles. There's so many different types, so many different labels. And it can be a little daunting to, uh, and intimidating to pick a wine. I mean, you go to a restaurant and it's the same thing, especially, a. Uh, in a restaurant where where wine is really prominent, you know the, they 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 walk up and they the way they open the bottle, the way they pour it, and they you know I've been to some some restaurants where they're like have you you know take a little taste of it to make sure that the wine is good, and uh, it can like I said it can be incredibly intimidating for someone that doesn't know much about wine. Yeah, you, you know it, it is, and um, I would I would like to think that you can simplify wine to whatever level that you know, is your comfort zone and, and what you want it to be. Um, but it's also, you know, that's also why I love it because of how complex it is and because it's constantly challenging me to learn more about it and, um, learn more, you know, kind of peel back the layers of the onion, um, and understand the social, the, the history, you know, the, um, all the, all the context around wine, you know, it's not like, and I don't want to offend all of your, you know, craft, craft beer, uh, drinkers, but, you know, you go to a craft brewery and um, a lot of these places have popped up in the last, you know, uh, 10, 20, 30 years. And that's fantastic. Like, I think the, the beer revolution is awesome, especially for our country. And, you know, things are going to go great. Um, but when it comes to wine, there is just so much going on. A lot of these, you know, a lot of these wineries and vineyards in Europe have been around for hundreds of years you know, there's there's some vines in uh, Spain that have been planted since the 1600s, um, and they're still producing fruit that make amazing amazing wine. The um, same plant, like yeah, the same. Yep. Wow. Same okay. same, uh, same plant, same root. Um, it's it's pretty fascinating. Uh, what I found with wine is there's always more to the story. Um, I remember we were doing um, a wine club member call for for the wine club a few months back and. We had this uh, winemaker on from a vineyard out in California, and their vineyard had been owned at one point by General Sherman of the Union Army. Um, I mean, how fascinating is that? Um, wow. it's, it's stories like that that you just hear on a consistent daily basis in wine that that makes it uh, that makes always makes me come back wine more. So it's the story behind. I, I didn't know th- that there were there were vineyards that were that old, like vines that are that old still producing. I think that's fascinating. I'm more of a I'm a beer guy, <laughs> but uh, but I, I I what I appreciate about wine is the the pairing of wine uh, because you can pair a good wine with food and it makes the wine taste different. It t- makes the food taste different. You can have a completely different experience with the proper pairing of wine and food. It's fascinating to me. Yeah, that that's. That is the ultimate, you know, experience. I think there's people that haven't experienced that yet. And I always like to say, I'm, I'm not trying to, to get beer drinkers or cocktail drinkers or, or whatever. You know, I'm trying, I'm not trying to get non wine drinkers to become wine drinkers. That's, that's never my goal. Mm-hmm. You know, my goal is to, to help, you know, I'd say entry level wine drinkers kind of ascend 
uh, up and um, refine their, their tastes, their palates, um, and really learn what they like and what they don't like. So that way they can find stuff that they like on a consistent basis. But uh, for people that haven't experienced that, you know, I just, I just hope that they can experience that at some point. I, I remember one pairing in particular. It was uh, an ice wine with a uh, cheesecake. I was at some winery somewhere and they had us paired up and it was the most amazing experience. It just it tasted different separately. And then when you took the sip and you took the bite at the same time, it was like a completely different experience altogether. And it was so amazing. It was so flavorful. So yeah, yeah have, having that knowledge, I mean, it, it makes the experience uh, so much more uh, just incredible. It, it's just, and it takes some level of education and having a, a wine guide like yourself to guide people to have that experience um, is, is important. That's why I appreciate about what you do is like, you're, you're almost, you, you take the time to teach people, uh, the intricacies of, of these combinations and, and the history of wine. I, I find it quite fascinating. Yeah, no, I, I love what I do and love getting connect, getting to connect with people that, um, you know, aren't, uh, as familiar with different things with wine. And it's, it's fun to see people when you kind of make some connections for them and they kind of see their, you see their whole world kind of just evolve. Um, when, when you introduce them to wines that they never knew existed or a new way of of finding wines that, um, they never, you know, thought was possible. I want to talk more about wine in a moment, but I want to kind of go back to what you said a little bit ago, that that moment where you had that injury and then you got down the path of personal development, that that moment where the light bulb came on and like, you know, the 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 military is not the end all be all for me. I know that there's probably I I know that I felt that I didn't know what I wanted to do next. And that's probably ultimately why I stayed in the military so long. And as I work with transitioning veterans, a lot of people have a tough time letting the uh, the military go like it becomes uh, their entire identity so when you had that injury and you got down that path of self-development like what was describe what you were feeling and thinking at that time was that injury at the at the time was that like did you fear that you might that might be the end of your military career and some things needed to change like what was going on then in that period yeah, you know, I I went through a full range of emotions from, you know, sadness to anger, you know, you know, definitely one, you know, thinking, okay, possibly this could be the end of my military service. This could, you know, not allow me to do the things in the military that I want to do. Um, you know, it, it could really, you know, put a ceiling on my career. Um, you know, all the way to, to getting angry um, at myself you know, angry at, um, you know, past choices and and things and how I've treated my body up to that point, Uh, you know, really questioned a lot of stuff. And and it was a uh, frustrating time for me to to go through. And on top of that was just, you know, dealing with the pain of the injury itself. Yeah. Um, So when when you were dealing with that, like what's was there a specific, like what got you on the path of personal development? Was there a specific book that you ran into that kind of unlocked and then you had this burning desire to continue down that path? That seems to be what happens to a lot of people. I know my book was The Slight Edge and I was at a moment like a crossroads in my life where I just needed some change. And that was that kind of opened the door uh, to my personal development path. Was there a specific book or a podcast or a speaker that you had heard that made a profound impact on you? Yeah, I, I would. I'll mention two things. Um, one was uh, my first podcast um, that was uh, Beyond the Uniform, um, 
it's a podcast focused on um, you know highlighting veteran stories of transition, um, veterans that leave the military and they go on to amazing um, careers either in corporate America or you know go on to start their own businesses, um, startups. You know they've, he's interviewed everyone from. You know the CEO of Sports Clips to uh, who's a veteran um, to you know up and coming entrepreneurs and uh, you know football players, NFL football players that are veterans or or uh, have served. Um, and so listening to that that podcast really you know solidified my mind that one you need a transition plan long before you transition, um, and two you can you know the military is is not it. You know, there is a great life awaiting for you, no matter when, no matter how long you serve, no matter where you serve. Um, once you leave the military, service, you've got a great life waiting for you. Um, and so, uh, that, that podcast really started to plant that seed early on of starting to, to look at things differently. And then, um, I'd say the second author podcast, you know, book, uh, Tim Ferriss, uh, the Tim Ferriss show, um, you know, listening to his conversations with people and how he really gets into both strategic and tactical actions for improving various aspects of your life and your business. Um, that, that really kind of, you know, vaulted me into, to self-development and, uh, got me addicted to, to learning how to, how to better myself. Yeah. I, I haven't listened to the beyond the uniform, but I'm going to go check that one out. It sounds amazing. And a huge fan of Tim Ferriss. I've, I've read a lot of his books. I love his podcast. He is definitely one that has enabled me to shift my perspective and how I view the world. And I would encourage anyone to go listen to his podcast or read his books. I just recently read The 4-Hour Body. And uh, it, it just it's just amazing. Like he, he tested all these different things on himself. He's using himself as a guinea pig to test all these, these different physical uh, challenges. And, uh, yeah, I, I just love how he provides actionable things that you can employ to put into your life uh, to change your life, to better it. So, uh, incredible. I wanted to take a quick break and invite you to an exclusive community I host called The Forge. One of my favorite proverbs is, as iron sharpens iron, so one man does another. The Forge is a mastermind, a community of men and women who are invested in their personal growth and development. They want to improve themselves, to be better husbands, to be better wives, to be better parents to their kids, to add value to their team and lead better at work, and to add more value into their community. In The Forge, I teach principles and habits of the world's highest achievers and performers, and as a group, we identify goals, develop strategies to achieve them, and hold one another accountable. We focus on improving our health, our wellness, our wealth, our relationships, and living in alignment with our purpose. We work together to focus on what truly matters and have a place where we can discuss difficult topics about life. If you're interested in learning more, go on over to www.jteagues.com forward slash community where you can learn more about The Forge. You can learn more about my one-on-one -on -one coaching experience, sign up for the newsletter, and check out the blog while you're at it. Now back to the show. Uh, so you got down, the, you, you, you had this injury, you got down the path of personal uh, development and I guess the other question I would have, because you mentioned your father a couple of times, um, what was the greatest lesson that your father taught you? Ooh, that, that is um, very timely because I feel like he's always still teaching me lessons. Um, and he always kind of goes back to the same lesson. So 
he is super detail oriented. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, working in golf. Uh, and so he would, he would work in um, the private club industry. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's got club members who are high net worth individuals, you know, people who are millionaires, billionaires, you know, et cetera. Um, you know, he's, he's gotten to play golf presidents. Um, he's had some amazing experiences. But the thing that he's always taught me um, and is continuing to teach me as I try to grow this wine club um, it is just this, you know, the experience that you're providing for people. Um, you know, you, you have to think of all the little details and, um, you know, make sure that you're managing expectations in a way that people understand what they're getting, but then you're over delivering on the value. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think, uh, watching him do that, um, at the clubs that he built and ran, um, really, you know, kind of gave me this idea of, what it's like to, you know, build some sort of membership and provide a service for them that uh, goes above and beyond their expectations. Yeah. So the, the, the details being detail oriented and providing excellent customer service and experience for the people that, uh, that you're serving. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. So, so how did you, let's go back to how do you manage uh, you know, being a full-time officer in the United States Army, field grade, and managing a wine club membership, podcast, um, all of the things that, that you get your fingers in. How do you manage all of this? Yeah, this is, uh, this is something I spend probably 50% of my time thinking about is how do I manage my time? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I think the, the, it really, it's really in the transition Um, it's the, you know, it's for when it's when you're transitioning from one thing to the next, you know, it's, it's going to, you know, do work all day or whatever that, that looks like. And then transitioning to the gym, transitioning to business. And just when you're in those settings, just being really, really present and really, uh, showing up for those people and those causes. Um, and, you know, kind of, you know, throwing everything else to the, to the wayside during that time. Um. You know, I, I, uh, sometimes I, am you know, pretty bad about, uh, texting, uh, people back right now. Um, sometimes I won't text people back for a couple of days. Um, I, I feel bad. So if any of my friends or family are listening to this and, and, uh, they, uh, they have not gotten a text back from me, don't, don't feel bad. It's, you're not the only one. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 I try to show up for things in, in the right moment and, um, you know, I can, I feel like I can really hyper-focus on what I'm doing, um, and kind of block everything else out. Um, and that, that allows me to really get a lot done during those periods. Um, and, uh, I think that's, that's how I've been able to, you know, you know, kind of keep, keep my different lanes for my different things that, you know, I'm a part of and different communities I'm a part of in, in life. Um, and it's also having recurring time on your calendar that you're setting towards each of these things. Um, it's, it's not about, it's not thinking about the things that you are doing. It's thinking about the, the places you're spending your time. Um, you know, if you're running a business, is it, you know, all right, I'm, I've got three hours I'm spending on, on the business every day or, you know, every week or whatever that looks like. If, you know, it's getting better in the gym, it's like, all right, what's the two hours a day that I'm going to the gym or, or however that looks like, however that shakes out for you. But I think it's, um, stop, you know, stop thinking about, uh, you know, I just listened to Atomic Habits, um, a couple couple of weeks ago 
Um, and you know, one of the great things he talks about is, uh, and you know, making your goals, not results or, you know, outcomes based, you know, making your, your goals habits or, uh, you know, um, something you're doing, you know, consistently based. So that way it's the, the small things that add up over time that eventually get you to the actual results you want. Yeah. So what I, what I really heard you say was like being present in the moment when you're engaged with things like being incredibly present, don't let distractions get in your way. And I, you know, hate to say that text messaging and social media is a distraction, but it definitely can be. I'm, I'm very much the same way. And I think most high performing people are more disciplined with their texting and they may not respond back right away. And because what I always tell people that I'm working with is like, look, you're not customer service. You don't have to respond to that uh, immediately, right? You can time block that in and be much more effective with that. But being present and engaged with what you're doing, and uh, you just identified like identifying with the keystone habits that are moving the needle forward in your business or whatever it is that you're working like the project that you're working on, not being outcome based, but having identifying what that keystone thing is that's building upon like you're building a wall, you're putting a brick in every with the time that you have, you're putting bricks in the wall that that's, that's uh, moving the needle forward uh, in, in your life. And, um, that's, that is incredibly important when we talk about time management is like, you know, identifying the 20% of the things that are producing 80% of the outcomes, the Pareto rule and focusing on that 20% as opposed to these other ancillary things that are just wasting your time. And I think that's how high performing people, especially managing a full-time career and a business and, you know, having a life outside, you get really good at identifying what those keystone habits are. And then you get very deliberate in, in executing those. You'll, you'll, people will be like in, wonderment and how you're getting so much accomplished, but it's because you're very disciplined about your time, how you're managing it, identifying your keystone daily habits that are moving the needle forward and you'll get so much more done. So you are, what are some of the biggest challenges that you have on a day-to-day basis? Like what, what does your day look like? Like how are you getting all of this accomplished? What does a typical day look like for you and how do you stay focused? Yeah, I, so typical day for me, you know, I wake up early, um, you know, I, w- the, my, my favorite thing to do in the morning is go for, go for a walk. Um, and for me, it's really important that I just go for a walk. It doesn't matter how far or how long, uh, I think too often we get caught around, oh, well, you know, I normally walk for 30 minutes. I can't, I don't have time for 30 minutes today, so I'm not going to go for a walk. Um, it's it's more important that you go for a walk, even if it's a five minute walk, than uh, to skip that walk altogether. And so, uh, you know, I, I go, you know, even before this podcast recording, I, I went out and, and walked for uh, walked seven minutes out and seven minutes back because that's all I had time for this morning. Um, and so, uh, it that's that's my favorite thing to do. Another key thing I, I like to do in the morning is I make my bed. Um, that's probably the number one success habit I could probably point to in the last like five years for me is making my bed because you get a quick win. You feel like you've accomplished something and, um, and it makes you sleep so much better when you come in, come home for the day or whatever, go into your room, you get ready to go to bed and your bed's already made. Uh, you just get a sense of, um, relaxation. At least that's, that's how it is for me. So, um, those are my two favorite things to do in the morning. Um, also, you know, I've, 
ebbed and flowed over different uh, health practices from like drinking lemon water to, you know, drinking celery juice, all this other stuff. So I won't get to do that too much of that, but it's just, you know, I didn't find those, those four or five like non-negotiables every morning that you do um, that gets you moving. Um, and then after that, you know, usually go, go to uh go to work to, to knock out the work. Um, you know, it's, you know, we'll call it the, the normal eight to five or whatever that looks like. Uh, but Somewhere in there, I try. I tried to get in some uh, some fitness. You know, I like to. Uh, I like to say I like to eat miles for lunch, um, whether that's going for a run, going for a ruck, um, or, or simply just going for a walk uh, during lunchtime. Um, I find uh, that gives me energy for the rest of the day or the rest of the afternoon. Um, and then once I'm done with that, I like to like to hit the gym at after work uh, because that's for me my best time my body's most primed it's you know nice and warm from the day some preventing preventing injury um it doesn't always work out like this sometimes i have to hit the gym in the morning or early um but when i can i try to try to get the gym in after school after work um and then as far as you know the business it, it's kind of uh it's kind of a little sporadic you know it sometimes it's getting stuff done after work at night. Um, you know, sometimes it's getting stuff done on the weekends and, and that's something that I'm definitely working on right now is how can I kind of, um, identify key, key working times as a business. Sometimes it's, it's getting stuff, stuff done in the morning, um, before work, um, and getting that get time in, in where, where you can, uh, for me, I work best in the mornings as far as my, you know, college strategic thinking or creative thinking. Um, and so I try to, really work on hard stuff, uh, in the mornings and then try to leave the afternoon slash evenings for, you know, talking with people, connection calls, meetings, um, you know, stuff like that. So that way, uh, I'm, I'm best using my time. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, cause I'm still serving in the military and running a business and you're my coaching practice and podcasting. So effective time management is incredibly important. And a lot of people are like, man, how do you get so much done? How do you have the energy to get so much done? And what I, what I heard you say, was that uh, you have a solid morning routine where exercise is a part of that and you exercise again at lunch and then maybe again in the evening because what I tell people is that the, the you know the, your body's power plant doesn't magically just have energy you've got to create that level of energy and movements and taking care of yourself drinking enough water eating healthy gives you the energy so you can sustain it it's a requirement if you're going to work a full-time job and be on your a game you know as an entrepreneur uh, working those evening hours, you know, cause at the end of the day, you're probably, you could be a little tired from your day job and you got to get right into it and be being present in the moment requires that level of energy. Uh, so staying on top of your fitness is incredibly important. And as we've worked together, you know, we, we talked a lot about, about fitness and, and, and maintaining that. Um, and I, and I, I love how you tied in making the bed because I, I look back at the, the toughest years that I had in my life, were the years that I didn't make my bed. And I always think about the saying, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And getting up in the morning and making, having the discipline habit of making your bed, like you said, you have that first win of the day. Even if you have a shitty day, you crawl back into your wall-made bed and you start over the next day. But it, it there's something about making the bed. Uh, and and I, I love that speech by... Uh, uh, I think it was Admiral McRaven about making the bed. I mean, that's, that's, it's so, which I, and I think that's one of the reasons in the military. It's one of the first things that you're taught in the military is how to make your bed with the hospital corners. It's gotta be, you know, wire tight. There's a disciplined habit about making the bed first thing. And, 
and, and how you do one thing is, is how you do everything. And, um, I appreciate you, uh, tying in that, how important that is as part of your morning routine and having a solid morning routine to start your day off on firm footing. What are some of the, the biggest challenges that you have trying to balance everything? Yeah, it's, um, I, I think the, the biggest challenge for me is, um, once again, going back to that, that transition, you know, um, making sure that I am present when I am, you know, working on that one thing or in that one place. And so, uh, a lot of times your, your thoughts are going to wander right to, to other projects, to other, other things. And so it's making sure you have a system for when that happens to be able to record your thoughts or your, your, um, ideas or, or what have you. And so one of the things that I, I really, um, have kind of refined over the past couple of years is my notes on my iPhone. Um, so I've got like different categories. I, I already know all the different ideas or different thoughts that kind of pop into my head on a daily basis. Um, and it, the, the trick is being able to, you know, record that, write that down in the right spot. So that way you can go back and review it later or, or whenever the time is, is to review it. And so, uh, for me, you know, I, I use a, I have a daily planner, um, that I keep right next to my, my laptop for my to-do list. Um, and I've got my iPhone, you know, if I come up with an idea for content or if I come up with a new business idea or whatever, I just know where, where it needs to be recorded. Um, so that way, you know, and, and sometimes it's not even about having to go back and, and look at stuff. It's more so about writing it down, kind of removes that, that bandwidth from your mind and frees you up and prevents decision fatigue. Um, so that way you can get back to focusing on whatever it is that you're working on. Yeah. You take note of it and then you kind of compartmentalize that. And you know, what something that I teach my clients is like, you want, take all these notes, capture all of them and then have your weekly or, or monthly strategy session. And you don't need to action it right away. Not, not every good idea needs to be actioned right away and having the discipline to say, no, this is a great idea. I need to jot it down but we're going to action this at another point in time. Uh, Cause a lot of times what happens is especially high performing people, they, they want to action everything. They take on everything and they, they don't get as much done because they're taking on their, their, their new good ideas. And oftentimes these new good ideas tend to be distractions because they need to be focused on something else. Um, but they, 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 this new idea comes, it's new and exciting. So they want to go down that path and start executing on it right away. And in the meantime, you know, something else that needs to get done, is not getting done because you're chasing down this new shiny thing. Uh, so having that shiny, I call it the shiny penny file. You put the shiny pennies in there and then you, you, you can go back and collect those and look at those later and see when you want to action those. Um, but it's great that you have a system to, uh, to collect all those and that you've developed the habit of not actioning all of those as soon as they come up. What's, um, so let's talk about this this last year. We, we've worked together over the last year. You had uh, a lot going on. You said it was a very difficult time for you uh, trying to manage everything. Talk us through like the things that you were dealing with as you're finishing up your graduate degree and then trying to navigate your, the, the wine business. Yeah, that, the last year has pushed me and challenged me in ways that I never thought possible for sure. I mean, one, dealing with COVID – um, and doing, have, having to do, you know, majority of my, my graduate program virtually, um, that presented its own unique set of, of challenges. Um, you know, uh, just 
trying to find the time uh, to, to work on the business while juggling, you know, working on my uh, thesis for grad school. Um, so I, one of my graduation requirements for, for my graduate degree, I had to, you know, write a, write a thesis. Um, and I, uh, begrudgingly chose to do it by myself, um, for, for future reference. If you're ever given the option to do something as a team, always, always choose to do it as a team. Um, (laughs) that's in, that's in school and that's in, in business as well. Um, but you know, it, it was really about, um, learning one, learning boundaries, um, to learning how to stop when things were not done, uh, because you can't, you know, something like a thesis, you can't do it in one clean fell swoop. You have to put it down, go back to it, put it down, go back to it, put it down, go back to it. And, um, that learning how to do that, uh, was absolutely a challenge for me. And then also learning how to do stuff, Get, still get stuff done while something else still needs to be done. Like you can't put out every single fire at the same time, right? You have to focus on the biggest fire, put that out. And you know, those other fires are going to keep going uh, and the damage is going to get worse. Uh, but you have to find that fire that's got the highest burn rate that's burned the most. Um, and you know, it's burned the hottest. That's going to be the most destructive. It's not finished. You got to knock that one out then go to the, the second biggest one um, and kind of prioritize those things. Um, and you can't let your thoughts wander, you know, from the current fire you're fighting uh, to the other fires you might fight, you, the other fires you might be, might be, might be fighting, you know, or, or whatever that might be trying to pull at your, your uh, thought process. And so learning, learning to do that uh, was extremely challenging. Um, and I like to think I'm still getting better at that, but, um, that is absolutely something that I, I had to, had to figure out how to do, uh, emotionally and, and, uh, mentally, uh, to be able to kind of keep doing what I was doing. What were some of the, the business challenges that you had with, with COVID? Uh, you spoke to, you know, the graduate program itself being virtual, going at it alone, but what were some of the challenges you had with your business? Yeah. You know, figuring, I mean, one launching the business and figuring out how to do that, um, you know, to, you know, figuring out how to, how to deliver on that, you know, customer experience, like we talked about earlier. Um, and and just figuring out what are those consistent business activities you got to do every day that are going to, um, you know, figuring out those business activities that you're going to do every day that are going to, eventually grow the business, um, and and give you the results that you want and kind of divesting yourself of non producing activities. Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, talk about, you know, social media and, you know, all these other things that, um, you know, other, some people are doing extremely well and they're not, um, you have to really look at your business model and and figure out what are the things that really drive the needle and, and focus on those things. And, and not worry about what other people think or, or worry about what you're not doing uh, that's, that doesn't contribute to what you're trying to achieve. So what, um, what are some of the 
when you were having, when you were really struggling keeping it all together, what were some of the things that enabled you to see it through to the end? Because I know as we worked together, the graduate program itself, the thesis was was daunting at points in time. There was also moments in your business where you just, it, it was a, a struggle and a challenge. You, you were at a point of, of overwhelm at times. And that happens to all of us when you're trying to manage um too many irons in the fire. What were some of the coping me- mechanisms or how did you compartmentalize it and regain control when you felt like you were at overwhelm? Yeah, I think the one of the things was one, like, you know, offloading some of that that bandwidth on on someone else, you know, like if you got a coach or if you got um uh you know uh a, a group that you're a part of, um that's really important to be able to talk about one, what you're feeling. In, in your challenges at that time. And usually by talking to somebody, they, they're able to help you kind of change your mindset about how you look at something. And then um, that allows you to kind of, you know, um, kind of move forward with what you need to execute on. But uh, yeah, so having one, having a support group, having a, a coach or, or someone that you can, you know, talk to about what's going on in your business. And then, um, and then also, you know, starting to find those things that you just don't need to do yourself. Um, and having a either a virtual assistant or a uh, you know a, a business partner, uh, whatever it is, but you cannot do everything in your business yourself. You have to find those people and uh, be willing to pay for them um, and their services and their worth, their value to be able to start to uh, you know keep growing the business and, and keep scaling. Yeah, in order to scale, you're going to have to hire hire a team of people to help delegate and take things off your plate, uh, and and that's that's a challenge. That, that's a, that as your business grows, it's a challenge for uh, a lot of people. And there's some skill that that is developed and, and required in order to do that successfully without dropping the ball on anything. What uh, now? We've been working together for the last year. What are some of the the things that um, in working together? How has that helped you and served you? I know for me personally. I have learned, I have really enjoyed it because I enjoy watching high performing people just accomplish goals and helping people navigate through things. What were some of the things uh, for someone that's never worked with a coach before? What are, what are some things that, that you have learned from that process? Yeah. You know, I kind of just reiterating what, what I, you know, just previously mentioned, just one being able to, work together to prioritize what's the most important thing uh, that that you know having a second set of eyes uh, is super important on what you're focused on um, and then having that that reminder of hey this is what you said you you know is important to you um, you know making sure that you can uh, have have somebody to uh, one help you find new tactics or strategies to achieve that goal or, or keep doing that thing um, and then just provide you that accountability to um, keep you, you know, focus on that path and, and working towards that that goal. Um, so I think that and then also uh, having, you know, like I said, having that time on the calendar um, to talk about, you know, where you're at with your performance habits. Um, that's that's really important. Um, you know, I, I personally look forward to our, our session every week and. Uh, that's because, you know, I get a, I get a chance to uh, just be brutally honest about how performance was in the last week. And then we get to try to come up with things that are going to improve performance, uh, but more so improve effectiveness um, and, and making sure that we're 
you know, growing the business, uh, you know, improving, you know, uh, health and wellness and, and all those other areas in our lives and um, really showing up for the people that we need to show up for. Now, I think it's incredibly important because oftentimes we get really busy. It would be easy to say, no, I don't have time to sit down and do reflection or have a conversation and dissect what I'm doing because I have so much to do. Right. But taking that time to determine what's effective, what's been working, uh, strategies to move ahead. So you're focused on the main thing is incredibly important. Like you said, that second set of eyes and having that in a group or a coach dynamic is really, really important. I know for me personally, it's helped me immeasurably stay focused on the things that matter. So it's incredibly important to do. And it doesn't really take that long. Our sessions are only like 30 minutes and we get a lot out of those every time we do that. And and I know that you're, you're also coaching other uh, people in the wine industry as well. And, and that's what coaching is all about. That's the power of coaching is having that second set of eyes, just like in sports coaching. You know, if you're coaching a, a baseball team and the coach is like, hey, shortstop, if you move over here three feet to the right, you're going to be able to get this this line drive. You know, it, it, that's why it's so powerful. And you do that with your life or your business or anything else. It, it, it's very, very powerful and very handy. Let's let's. Uh, so we're we're approaching an hour here. I'd like to talk a little bit more about uh, the the wine business. What what are all the things that? Can you just describe to us everything that you that you do? All the services that you offer. You've got the subscription club. You've got the podcast going. You're doing consulting. What are all the things that you're doing? Yeah. So uh, our our core offer, kind of the core thing that that we've been doing um, for the past year or so, um, is our wine club. Uh, so our you know, our wine club, it, uh, it actually, we actually just recently kind of pivoted the business model a little bit, um, based on some new opportunities and kind of where I, where I saw the direction of the club going. But, uh, every month, you know, our club members get two wines, um, and one white, one red or, or two reds based off of what their, their preferences are, uh, delivered straight to their door. And the great thing is that they're supporting, uh, local wineries, you know, throughout, uh, California and other parts of the U S um, with their wine club because it, it ships directly from the winery itself. You know, it doesn't go through distribution. Um, and the cool thing about that is, is, you know, I can pick wines that I can, you know, anything I can get access to from a winery itself, um, we can put into the club and it allows us to do some really cool stuff and pick some really unique wines that you're really not going to taste anywhere else because the only way you could, could really taste those wines if you went to that winery, um, in California and, and you know, tasted through their portfolio. But, uh, that's, that's really cool part of our business. And then, uh, yeah, just just recently launched uh, my podcast, Everyday Wine with Chris Levy. Um, that, that podcast to me is really about kind of peeling back the layers of the onion when it comes to wine of not just learning the kind of technical aspects of wine, you know, the, you know, how grapes get made into wine and how that, you know, contributes to acidity, taste, you know, full bodiness, all that stuff. Um, but also learn the, the social, the, the social hist- historical and, you know, kind of geography context of the wine and how that influences what actually is is inside your glass and so um really have enjoyed uh getting that off the ground and be able to have great conversations with you know sommeliers tastemakers and even have some celebrities coming up um to talk about you know their kind of forays into wine and um how that you know overlays with culture and, and lifestyle um and then finally you know the last thing is uh i do work with uh several wine brands when it comes to, to wine marketing um, I like to say I, I practice what I preach and in that, you know, I, I use what I know about marketing and uh, digital marketing to, to grow and, um, you know, improve the, the wine club itself and then uh, take those those same tactics and strategies and teach it to other wine brands so they can they can grow their business, too. 
That's fantastic. So you've got the wine club in which the wines that you offer, you can't you can't just go into any store and get them. They're they're specifically from the, you'd have to go to the winery themselves to to be able to enjoy that wine. That's correct. That's awesome. And then I listened to uh, the, uh, the the first episode of your podcast. The podcast is exciting. I'm really uh, I'm I'm very much I like history and I like the the fact that there's a lot of history behind the wines and there's uh, I look forward to hearing more episode episodes about uh, learning more about wine and I I'm fascinated with like you know when you mentioned the the the, the vineyards that have you know. Uh, vines have been planted and producing since the 1600s that's fascinating to me it makes me want to uh, to know more about uh, specific wines and whatnot so uh, i'm excited about the podcast and everything that you have going on i i have appreciated watching you you're you're very knowledgeable and i think that your the charcuterie boards i brought this up numerous <laughs> times the charcuterie boards are amazing the the photos that you yeah. have and the things that you've done with uh, with those because in addition to wine i like to eat and i like to eat uh, the cheeses and the crackers and all that stuff that goes along with it, the grapes and everything else. Yeah. Uh, so what's, uh, so what are, what are you working on? What are you excited about? What's the way ahead for Chris Levy? Yeah. Um, just excited about the next couple months, uh, of the wine club. We've got some awesome, awesome wines lined up. And, and so the cool thing is, is that the podcast is sort of synchronized with the wine club and that, um, every month, one of those episodes will be the producer uh, for that month or that, that winemaker for that month talking about the wines that we're going to showcase in, in the club. Um, so that's going to be really, really kind of cool to, to parallel in that way. Um, but, you know, also really excited about um, kind of this new model that we've kind of transitioned to over the past couple months uh, and, and getting to uh, get, get wine, make more wine more accessible. Um, because before, you know, we were doing quarterly shipments and so, uh, if people want wine, they'd have to commit to three months, but now, um, it's, it's really easy to sign up, uh, for this, uh, our, our current offering and, um, you know, you can try it out for a month and, and just tell me what you like, what you think about the wines and, uh, we can kind of figure out what, what makes sense from there. No, that's great. I, I will link all of your social media and the club and podcast, everything in the show notes. So if anyone listening would like to connect with Chris, I think if you have any interest in wine, you definitely need to connect with with Chris. Uh, he's a stand-up dude. He's, uh, he, he's a veteran entrepreneur, very knowledgeable in, in the space. And I think that you'll enjoy what, uh, what he has in regards to, uh, to wine. So thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing all that. Before, um, before we cut it, I always like to pass the mic over to, uh, to my guests just to, to ask a question of me. Uh, what, what, do you have any questions for me? Yeah, I, you know, I was thinking about this. Um, my, my biggest question for you was always, you know, what is your, your biggest strength and, and what is your biggest weakness? Um, and and how, do you, how do you manage those two things? My biggest strength, I always say that my, my, my superpower is the ability to suffer. So when I think of like doing difficult things, <laughs> like it's, uh, it's, it's being able to endure uh, things. I put myself like, like just this last week, I, I did the SBT uh, GRV up in Steamboat. And before that, I, I climbed the, the, the Grand, the Middle Teton. I put myself in these um, endurance experiences to test my mind and my body in a controlled environment which enables me to deal with life in general much better. So I think that is ultimately my superpowers to be able to uh, put myself in these events. And, and I don't know why I continue to do it because every time, like 
uh, there's a photo of me on social media right at the end of the race. I'm like laying on the ground. I always do the starfish. And I'm just like, I just want to die. <laughs> at that very moment, like, why yeah. did I just do that to myself? Then I wake yeah. up the next day. I'm like, okay, I can't wait for the next one. Um, so that's that's ultimately what I'm really good at. Really good at it in enduring difficult situations. Yeah. And what is my biggest weakness? I would say something that I have struggled with is... I struggle with um, time management. If I don't have, like, if I, I have to write everything down, I, I'm very, uh, I have ADHD. And I'll be honest, I actually dropped the ball on a couple things in my calendar this week because I've been, I've been on vacation. I'm still on vacation. I go back to work next week. And I haven't used my um, planning system because I've just been I've been engaged with my kids and whatnot. And I actually dropped the ball on a couple of things because if I don't write it down, if I don't have my my planning system available and using it, uh, things will slip through the cracks. And from a high performance yeah. perspective, that's unacceptable. And I, I feel really bad because I missed out on an opportunity yesterday, uh, and I and I, I I missed a time hack. And and I am very prompt and very. That, that's kind of a pet peeve of mine. So when I miss the ball on that, I really beat myself up on that. Um, so I would say when I'm not engaged in using my systems, uh, I can really let things slip through the crack and like I, I got to tighten up my shot group, you know, in, in regards to that. So I guess those, that, those would be my strengths and my weaknesses at the moment. Awesome. Um, but yeah, no, appreciate the, the question. So, uh, but yeah, so we're right at an hour. Hey, Chris, I, I, I appreciate the, uh, the, the time that you, that you spent, you shared with us, uh, a, a lot of great things, tips, tools, actionable things that we can employ in our lives. So thank you for sharing, um, you know, your, your story with, with the, you know, how you became in the military service, your wine club, the, the greatest lesson your dad taught you all the tips and techniques that you used to be successful and uh, I would encourage anyone listening to uh, to reach out to Chris, which will all be in the show notes. Uh, and that's uh, is, is there anything that we're we're missing, Chris? Is there anything else you'd like to uh, impart on the listeners before we wrap this up? No, I mean, that's that's it. I had an absolute blast today. This is um, like I said, I was looking forward to this for a long time, and, and it was absolutely what you know more than I was expecting. And so I had a, hope everyone enjoys the the episode, and um, looking forward to connecting with you know your audience. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, I know you got a, you got uh, you're, you're in CGSC, so you got a class soon. So we will wrap this thing up. But thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. And I would encourage all my listeners to connect with Chris. You can see, check out everything in the show notes. In the meantime, keep doing hard things, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Do Hard Things podcast. If you've gained any value whatsoever, please consider subscribing and leaving a review, as it goes a long way to getting the word out about this podcast. You can reach out to me via social media. You can join the Do Hard Things podcast uh, Facebook community. We all, I'm also connected on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Drop me a line. Let me know what your thoughts are on the podcast, uh, this particular podcast, or just general comments in general, or if you know of any guests that would be a good fit for the show here, please feel free to reach out. Also ask that you subscribe and please leave a review. It goes a long way to expanding the podcast and getting additional guests. And also, if you've gained any value from Chris Levy, please reach out to him and connect with him on social media. Look in the show notes and you can reach out directly to him. In the meantime, keep doing hard things and we will see you in the next episode.